how many people do you have in your database and what's the percentage of conversion from them? That's a number I don't know. Um, but I do know how many people I have in my database. I think I have 20,000 people in my database. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think a lot of those, because a lot of those come in, we're doing pay-per-click, right? So we're getting a lot of leads that come in and they're sitting in that database, right? So, um, so it's $5,000 a month, right? At the end of the year, it's $60,000. But that brought in $560,000, right? Your net is $500,000, right? So that's, to me, what I think of when I talk about profit. But for you, it was sort of just, well, let's just keep our expenses really low so it's really all profit. So let's focus on what we can do to get a high return without paying out much at all. What's my ROI, right? I guess, I mean, maybe that has to do with the P&L, but, but also like, what's the activities that my agents are doing, right? And how to track those sort of things. But yeah, and then making, once you understand those numbers. World-class lessons from the real estate industry's top 1%. Empowering agents to think bigger, and do more to create life by design. Get access to exclusive interviews with top producing real estate professionals. Listen in as we talk about their journey in the business, best practices and lessons learned. Hosted by Kiro Nasrallah and John Scipioni. I mean, one thing that we always say in our office is just action is better than perfection, right? This is Light It Up with Lighthouse Residential. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Light It Up Podcast. We are thrilled to have with us today John Carroll of the, the Carroll Home Team based on the Space and Treasure Coast uh, of Florida. This year so far, they've closed $32 million in uh, transactions, total volume, uh, representing about 90 closed uh, deals. And the fun part is it's really just a four-agent team, uh, so very uh, high production per agent. So. Excited, man, to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. Of course. And, you know, Kiro and I always like to bring on uh, other team leaders and top producing agents that uh, bring value to the platform. So obviously it was an easy decision. And, and you and I go uh, go way back um, at least like five or six years now, right? I think That's I've right. known you yeah. since, I, since I joined MFO. And I feel like a lot of these conversations end up, you know, leading back to MFO at some point. But uh I think that says a lot in itself. But anyway, it's, um, you know, somebody I've known for a long time. And, and I think on the way over here, Kiro and I were talking about, you know, some of the things that we'll talk about today. And um, our team dynamic is very similar to yours. And the fact that, you know, we have about three or four agents producing, you know, a similar amount of transactions, um, you know, slightly different volume just because of sales prices and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I find that, you know, on, on our weekly mastermind calls, uh, a lot of times we're, we're going through some of the same struggles and same challenges and, you know, and uh, um, it's always good to bounce ideas off each other. So we thought it'd be highly beneficial to have you on here and, and we're excited, man. Yeah, thanks Thank for having you. me. Yeah, and, and we, I think it's a, it is a lot of it due to, we all started in the same place, right? Yeah. We all started MFO and all started with a, like a heavy sales background. And, um, and a lot of our businesses look a lot, a lot alike, but they also look a lot different too. Um, and we all kind of, we're, we all try new stuff and we've, we've collaborated a lot um, through <laughs> like pro prospecting clinics or, um, you know, meetups, you know, or conventions. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man. Well, excited thank you for coming on. When, uh, on, on the, 
preparation side of this podcast, John was like, you know, I've, I've known John Carroll for a long time. He's a great dude. You're going to love him. Great guy. Just don't ask him any stupid questions. So I just have to ask one, why <laughs> the space? <laughs> I can't even remember the treasure. Space what, at Treasure Coast. Space and Treasure Coast. What's yep. the space at Treasure Coast? And if you can give us how the hell you landed there. So what's that story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I, I, I got to this area when I was about eight from kind of close to where you guys are, Long Island, New York, my family. My dad owned some beer distributors up there and my mom's parents lived were they moved here from there. So we followed naturally, my mom wanted to be closer to her parents. So that's how we got here. This, this space coast, uh, we're in Florida, so it's thundering outside yeah, wow. right now, summertime. <laughs> um, the space coast is, is what it, you know, just like it says, it's close to Cape Canaveral. So the space coast, right? So it's Brevard County from like Cocoa Beach, where like Kelly Slater's from, to, you know, to um, the Treasure Coast. And the reason why it's called the Treasure Coast is because um, there's many, many shipwrecks from Spanish galleons that sunk here, like in the 1400s or so. So, and they found, you know, lots of treasure off there and shipwrecks. So it's kind of a cool place. Um, so yeah, so it really spans, expands from Cocoa Beach, Florida, Brevard County, to really to like close to Palm Beach. Donald Trump land. <laughs> awesome, man. So did you make the move to um, the space thinking that you'd get into real estate or is that you were already in real estate before you got there? Yeah, great question. So, so my, my father started a REMAX brokerage. My, my uncle is a big agent. When I say big agent in terms of volume up in Long Island, New York, he's, he owns a REMAX brokerage. And, um, and so back in 2000, my dad got his real estate license and with the idea of starting a brokerage here. So started a Remax brokerage. Um, I cut, I did some BPO stuff for him as a kid and, you know, doing some back in the, the downturn in the market. And then um, went to college, came back and started into real estate. So that's kind of how I got my start and really got my footing. I have to say, I mean, I've, I learned so much from him. He's, he's, just a wealth of knowledge in terms of like real estate side, investment, investing side. And a lot of, a lot of my success today, I think starts off, you know, with him. So. Yeah. I think it's like, uh, it's very rare when someone has a mentor that's like related to them that gets them into the industry. And when they do, it's usually like, uh, uh, you're given almost like the keys to the kingdom almost like here, here's the way that you think, here's the way that you need to, to process things. What are some of the things that last with you or stick with you when you think of your uncle and what you like, what he's taught you? Yeah. My, so my, my uncle, um, I think is, and, and my, everybody, I think I got lucky in all the males in my family are entrepreneurs. Um, so I think I have those, like those footprint, you know, those footprints to follow in that path. Um, I also, I talking with Aaron and, and, you know, Aaron Novello, he's on this podcast too. And, and we've coached with him, all, all of us, um, and then on our mastermind, he said like, you know, the, the certainty, like he kind of, what he does is he brings certainty to, to his, his coaching clients. I think that resonated with me too. And I think that's also having a mentor or someone who's done something before you, like whether it's my uncle or my father or Aaron or you guys or Mike Ferry or whoever it is, it's like that person brings certainty to us and just says like, hey, look, it's okay. I've done this before. It's okay to go ahead and do it, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think that's kind of really 
having that mentor kind of allows, allowed me, brings me certainty and allowed me to kind of fail, you know, take attempts at it. Yeah. I think that's like the biggest common uh, trait within a lot of the people that we spoke to. It's you try to look for a proven path instead of recreate the wheel. And you just, you, you want to know what worked for someone else. What's a certain thing that you can invest your time in that will draw a profit and a return from versus try to recreate the whole wheel uh, and just fail without knowing what's actually attainable with a proven plan. Yeah, I think it's just sort of speeding up the process, yeah. right? Like, how can we get from 25 transactions to 50 transactions to 75 quicker, right? And the answer always comes back to find somebody that's done it, right? So I think that's why we've always connected over the years because we sort of had that same trajectory. And um, so I think that's, again, why it, it's, it's valuable, valuable to have you on here. Tell us a little bit more about how you got to where you are today. Um, from what I understand, right, you're, you're taking the majority of the 80 trans, or 90 transactions or so you guys have closed this year. What percentage roughly do you think is listings and, and what percentage do you think is buyers approximately? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's like, it's like 70, 80%, I would think. Um, listings. Listings, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, good. Yeah. So you're still heavily involved on the listing side. Totally, yeah. I'm the dominant listing agent. Um, not, I mean, I, I would love for it to be different, um, but just that that's how it is uh, as of now. Uh, and then everybody else does buyers. We're transitioning that now. Um, by, um, you know, teach, teaching some of the agents to take listings themselves, giving, you know, creating um, learning platforms to, for them to learn how to do it and training, that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, the evolution of, kind of how it, it's probably similar to what you guys experienced as well is, is just starting doing listing side, buyer side. Um, it was really kind of, so my dad started in like the foreclosure market and only really did listings, right? He never, he didn't really work that much with buyers, only when it was, it made sense. So that really, that model really always made sense to me, like just do listings. And then he had a brokerage with some Mike Ferry agents that were like top in our, in our area and they primarily did listings too, just did listings, right? So that was really, really easy for me to understand that I wanted to just work on the listing side. So, but so, but once I kind of let go of not ha wanting to, to do buyers anymore, um, there, there was a year that I just kind of went from when doing both buyers and sellers to, <clears throat> I think it probably was like my fourth year in to saying like, Hey, I'm just not doing buyers anymore. And I just, they came to me and I just didn't even do anything with them. So I think I did like 35 transactions that year. Uh, but like they came and I just didn't even didn't do anything with them. So at that time, my assistant who was working with me, um, she was like, Hey, look, like you're just getting like, there's, there's all these buyers that you're just not even dealing with. Like, like how about I become your buyer's agent? I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> same thing, same thing happened with us. Yeah. Oh really? Okay. So, uh, so like, yeah, that's a great idea. So, um, so the next year she became my buyer's agent or the next couple months, next six months, she, um, she got her license and became my buyer's agent. And, um, and that's kind of the start of how things, how things kind of the team, right? So, sure. and then from there, it's just getting more people and adding more people on. So. Right. So that, that buyer's agent is still with your team? Still with us. Yeah, she's okay. still with us today. And, and what last do you year she... She closed like 40 transactions. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. So much. Yeah. Okay. All right. Over 40, probably 45. And she's been with you for how long? Uh, four years. 
four years now. Awesome, man. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that says a lot. So what's the goal moving forward? I mean, are, are you slowly trying to take yourself out of the listing side and focus more on building the team, growing the team? Are you trying to, I know you were saying the other day on our, on our mastermind, you're trying to focus a little bit more on some of the investment side of things. What's, what's the goal yeah. moving forward? Yeah, so, so it's always changing. Uh, and so for me, and um, I've, I recently, like, I, I'm just kind of trying to self-actualize and kind of see, like, well, what do I, like, like uh, who do I see myself as, right? That was the kind of something that we, we talked about recently. And I'm asking myself this question in the last month or two months or so. And it's like, I really like the investment side of real estate. I really like it. It makes a lot of sense for me. And I also think it makes a lot of sense for where I am right now in my in my life cycle, my business. I'm also yeah. just turned 40, building wealth. Um, I also like the consistent income. Like real estate can be like up and down and a little bit schizophrenic and, and, and a little bit sometimes because you're like, sometimes you just don't know where your next check's coming in. And as I, obviously a team kind of stabilizes that a little bit as well. But um, <clears throat> so I, I like the idea I have that like that reoccurring that income every month, right? And so, and then the investment side of the real estate, what I mean is like rentals, buy and hold properties makes sense for me. And, and, and it always has. And I think I always um, look back again to my father and he kind of was doing that all along as well. It's just whole, that's like kind of his residual always mm. over time. So I always put all my money, took it all and just always put it into real estate. Never bought like stock or anything, just rental real estate. And single family home real estate, um, just because that was what was close to me and that was what I understood. So, um, so I, I think the evolution that I can see at this moment where I'm at is, a, and it could be it could change next week, but from what I understand is that I see real estate right now as, as it's either you make a decision, either like for me, it's either you're gonna get cash, cash, or you're gonna get, or cash flow, which is like, I think or cash is like, Real, residential real estate business where you just get you trade time for money or you get like cash flow right every yeah. and so so i what i'm understanding is it's like i'm in a, my real estate business is a business that also now i transfer to real estate assets and that's yeah. kind of and then as soon i want to tr transfer out of that one and move more into the other right yeah. see the thing that i always struggle with is i don't know your financial situation but i know you make good money what's stopping you from buying 10 more properties, cash flowing properties before the end of the year. Is it deals? Cause it's, it's not lack of resources, right? I mean, you're, you, you do well for yourself. You have a great network in our mastermind, right? Like I'm asked, I ask myself, say, I ask myself the same question all the time too, right? I mean, if I see 10 great cash flowing opportunities this year, why am I not jumping on them? It's not because of lack of resources. I mean, we have the money, right? Like personally I have, money that I could set aside towards it, right? I could do some deals with Kiro. I could call you up. Like we could all pool our money together. Why are we all not buying more? And what's your answer to that? True story before you answer, John walks in after an appointment today. He was like, bro, I just saw this two buildings side by side on this main street. I wanna buy them. <laughs> and then he's like crunching numbers. He's like, I was on a listing appointment. I, I was like, <laughs> as I was there, I was like, I should just buy these right yeah. now. Uh, totally. And. They're expensive, so I'll probably have to raise some money from you. Yeah. But yeah. tell us, like, so, but everybody is always like, listen, my goal is to buy cash flowing property and then, you know, maybe I don't have to be in residential resale or depend on it every day, right? But like, what's stopping us from, from buying more right now? Yeah, I, th I think it's mindset for sure. Like, so we just talked about that. And, and I think it's mindset one, 
but I think we have to be like educate ourselves and like have that like we have to understand like more about that side of our business. I think we as realtors we just focus on the sales side and like the listing presentation and the buyer presentation and that's cool. I think we should and that generates cash. I kind of consider it as like wholesaling. It's the same, yeah. I think it's the same. It's the same thing. I think it's just in my opinion. It just maybe there's bigger you know, big, bigger checks in there. I don't know, but I don't do it. But I think that ultimately it's just like learning, learning it. And then also I think it is access to cash, right? I think it's learning how to like, what's learning to private, private equity, learning where to get money, learning where hard money is, getting access to capital. That's one of it. And learning like what's the numbers there. Uh, and then two is like the, what is, what is the buy box? Like, what is, what is the property? Does it fit right into this? And then am I going, can I buy this? And does this make sense over the long term? And I think there's, right. there's two things here to think about too, is that I'm learning is one is, is the numbers right? You know, but also what are the terms too? Like, so there's also the term side of it as well. Like, so what's the interest rate over time? Who's holding the note? Is it the bank's holding the note? Is the seller holding the note? Like, like all that stuff as well. Right. Yeah. So like, and then what's that, how you structure that, that deal as well. So it could be still some, I know I'm, some people are paying ask over asking price, but the terms are really freaking good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. I think the biggest thing for me is just the lack of focus. And I don't mean to turn this on to me, but it's just that that's why I'm not buying enough is because I'm focused on trying to build our team or focus on going on listing appointments or focusing on growing this podcast or whatever it is, but it, it, it's, it's lower on my list and it probably should be much higher and just lack of, you know, uh, prioritization. And I think it's, but it's not, and it's not an ego thing when I say it's not because of shortage of capital. It's not like I'm like, oh, these are the 10 deals I want to buy. And we just, you know, don't have the money because there's always a way to get the money, right? I, we could borrow it at 12% for three months and then refinance, right? We could go around and raise it until you actually tell me like you've gone around to your network of people and tried to raise the money for a specific property. And then, you know, I think it's a bullshit answer for to say like lack of resources. Right. I, I think it's all comes down to being able to separate logic from emotion because our emotions, what stops us from actually taking that, you know, leap to, to get into that, you know, yeah. entry of like being able to see, oh, wow, this is actually possible. It, you know, a lot of people are fortunate enough to have mentors who own a shitload of real estate and they always tell you the biggest issue is the deal, never the capital, because you best believe someone will fund that deal for a small portion of it. Yeah. And look at Grant Cardone, right? Cardone, uh, Cardone Capital, for example, yeah. he puts no money in, he leverages all the bank's money and then crowdfunds the down payment. So he basically secures a deal that's available to everybody else, gets people to pay for his down payment, owns the portion that the bank lends him, and it's just a mindset shift about it. Um, so I think that's, that's, you know, accurate in that assessment. But one of the things about you, John, that's interesting and, and is, is something to emulate is the way that you strategically scale your business. Now, a lot of people go through and say, okay, you know what, there's an ROI on this part of it. You know, I'm spending a hundred dollars a month. It's producing a dollar and 70 or 170. They reinvest a hundred again. And then over the term of the year, they're saying, yeah, this is a great return, but you do it a little differently. How would you say your strategy is in terms of scaling your business? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were having this conversation. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's really interesting. I, I think I'll put, kind of put it back at you guys, too, is that, like, um, 
back a couple of years ago, I, we, I realized that I, I really knew the listing side of my business really well. And, I, and as even now it speaks in my business, I do a lot of listings. But what I didn't know well is like the buyer side of my business, right? I didn't I gave all the buyers away. So I think, I think it's, in, I wanted to find somebody that, I talked to John about this too, that, that knew the buyer side really well, had a good buyer process. How did he get leads from the buyer side? So, so I think in terms of like lead generation and scale, scaling, like um, scaling is, we need, you need leads, one. But I think, and then we talked about this earlier, is like, like when do you, like when do we go all in and um, when do we we hold back or whatever? And I think it's it was in, it's important for me like to like make smart decisions on based upon numbers. And so first and foremost, have tracking on know your numbers, not just like a PNL, but also like like what's my ROI, right? I guess I maybe mean, that is to do with the PNL, but but also like what's the activities that my agents are doing, right? And how to track those sort of things, but um. But yeah, and then making, once you understand those numbers, then going all in, like, and then like all in with all your chips, right? This like all in on those lead sources. If you're going to get like three extra turn on your money off of a paid per click ad, right? Like shoot, right? So you get pay a dollar and get three, right? So why not? Why not do it? Like that makes a lot of sense. So of the 90 or so transactions you guys have done this year, you said about 75% were listings. Uh, where would you say you guys are getting the best bang for your buck now? Is it, is it? Yeah, <clears throat> I, I think it's COI for sure, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think with, one of my coaches that I've worked with really helped me out with, well, he, he built a big business, I think on buy, the buyer side, like I went and looked, found somebody that figured out the buyer side of the business. And I think in some regard, the buyer side of the business, I didn't, it's, some, it's easier to scale, right? Because you can kind of, you get you have buyer leads or they're they're cheaper and you can give them out right so um, so it's easier to scale <clears throat> and so but he realized that like what's the 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 cost of that lead over the, like like at, he's paying paying for that lead but then after he closes on that that house like how does he keep that in his, as a coi right so then so he's really helped me understand that part of it and then how to really like um, to nurture that coi based upon like like strategic gifting and um, that that those kind of thoughts, social, social media and um, that that sort of thing. So and so we actually my wife just brought a security board home and she just packaging some stuff up and then doing like we're like figuring out like a VIP list of like if your people spend a certain amount of money or, or they do like or they close a couple of deals with us like they're getting you know like some kind of an experience like a personalized experience right so like those sort of things like i think are and then are really they those that's the best roi i mean that's bar none yeah. it's the best roi so so i guess when we were talking about this in advance and we were talking about making sure your business is profitable like the first thing that came to my head was like all right if we're spending you know x amount of dollars and and you know we're netting this much, right? Like we're, we're obviously looking at what our profit is, but I think for your sake is for your, your, the way that you look at it is a little bit different. It's almost just like focusing on the side of the business that really is costing you very little. It's not even that it, it's a huge ROI because it's just, you're not having to invest a lot of at least dollars into it, right? Because you're working with people that are already in your database. Yes. So your cost per lead is, is practically nothing. 
Yeah, off of a COI past client, right? So CO, um, yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's just, but it's, I mean, it costs us something for like, you know, to stay in touch with them, costs us something to, you know, the gift or whatever. But ultimately, yeah, it's, it's, it's very low. Yeah. I guess the other way to say that is, you know, if, you're, if your Zillow budget's $5,000 a month, right? At the end of the year, it's $60,000. But that brought in $560,000, right? Your net is $500,000, right? So that's, to me, what I think of when I talk about profit. But for you, it was sort of just, well, let's just keep our expenses really low so it's really all profit. So let's focus on what we can do to get a high return without paying out much at all, right? Yeah, and I, I, I think the way that that I'm thinking about it because I'm looking at my numbers and and I've and they're like my accountant or the I'm actually have somebody that goes through my numbers with me every month I think it's like it's I, I'm I know very I know that your dad's a is a CPA right so yeah. I, I like that's you might that might be easy for you but for me it's like reading the PL was never easy for me or my wife no I'll tell you it's actually harder because I trust <laughs> him so much that I don't look at fucking anything and then when he actually shows me shit I'm like yeah, that's, I trust you. Just make sure it's right. Yeah. But so it's harder for me because I don't look at it. Okay. But I'm with you. Okay. So when you, so are you guys using SPS? Yeah. 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 So, and then they, they offer this like coaching, like they go over it each month. And I was like, yeah, let's just do that. Because like, and she's like, she's like giving the percentages of like what other teams are spending. Real so quick. She, I don't want to interrupt you just before the people. So for the people that don't know, can if you just give a little rundown of what they are and what they do for you? Who they yeah, are. So I think SBS is a company that manages like um, I think 300 real estate teams, and they do it manages. They do accounting for 300, bookkeeping for 300 real estate teams. And the cool thing about it is what I'm understanding it to be. We just started about six or seven months ago. They take all of those those clients and they create an you know a market average from all of those numbers, and they you can they're running the averages against each other, right? So, so like, I'll know like for those 300 clients or 400 clients, whatever they are, like, like on average, how much am I spending for my lead sort, like for lead gen, how on average, how much am I spending for salaries? Right. Uh, and so for me, that's like right now, that's really valuable. Like your technology, you're spending this, you're spending more in your technology and just based upon what you want to want to accomplish and where you're like putting the gasoline at that particular time because you might be want to spend more money on employment at this point in time or, or lead gen but maybe not right so it's so for us it's that part of it it's very it was very valuable to us and so so would you say that relationship's now valuable for you to sort of compare with other teams and and make decisions based off of that yeah right. so so kind of like where we were to the point where i was making before is like they're they're saying that we're spending under on the like we should be spending more on lead generation, right? Mm. So we're in what we are. So our, our profits are, are, you know, our margins are high, but we probably should be spending more on lead generation. And so it's my intent to do so, but I think now back to what, what Kira was saying, it was like, I want to understand what is the, the best ROI before I start putting that on. And then kind of back to what you were saying, John, as well, is that, is that I, I believe in my business, I think it's, a, it's both, right? I think you need like a strong like lead gen like budget, which I think would like of like outbound like or Zillow or PPC or Realtor.com, whatever's working for you in that market. And then I think when those leads come in, how are we like like loving on them? And so there needs to be a strong there needs to be a like a 
budget that goes to that too. So we can keep them in our, our database and like, and repeat business with them. I think that's like kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. I think the struggles that we've had, I, I guess just like within our offices, uh, it was interesting to hear you say that Kiro was them. bringing up the ROI topic because that's the yeah. constant tension in our office. Um, it's, it's, but it's, it, I'll admit, I mean, you know, we're all still running full speed ahead as an agent, trying to be a team leader, trying to build a team, trying to do it, wear a lot of different hats, right? And you sign up for a service and before you look, you know, you're into it five, six months and you realize like it really hasn't generated a lot or it has generated a lot, but I don't really know the ROI, right? So I don't know, like I haven't, a lot of times I think it's too, too, it probably doesn't take a whole lot of time to sit down and really analyze the numbers, but you're doing so much at the same time that it's hard to allocate the time. But I think what we've found best is to try to sit down on Fridays and figure out like, all right, we've spent 60,000, it's brought in, you know, 250,000. Is this good? Is this in line with what other teams like yours, you guys are doing? Uh, is that a, a fair allocation of resources? Should we be spending more? Should we double down? Like, are we that happy with the results? Like, is it easier deals? Is it harder deals? You know, like I, I can look back and say like, we went crazy on um, calling absentee owners, right? During COVID, right? Like that's one thing I think we could do, could have done a little different. We called a lot of absentee owners that live down in Florida, but own property in New Jersey during COVID. And we took a shitload of listings from it. The problem was tenants. these were filled with crazy <laughs> tenants that would not let people in during COVID yep. and did not want to budge and did not want to pay rent. So it brought us a lot of listings, but, and maybe the, the stress wasn't on me and Kiro so much, but it stressed our staff out because they're getting a million showing requests, no access and all that craziness. And then, in, you know, so it's, you have to sort of factor all of this stuff into it, but I think it's important. Um, the big takeaway for me, for me, from what you just said was just setting aside the time to actually look at the numbers and figure out like, does it make sense to continue with this? You know, have we given enough time? Cause I think there's times where I'll freak out and I'm like, dude, we're spending, you know, the American express bill comes and I'm like, we're spending $3,000 a month for the service that I don't even, I don't even remember we signed up for. And we cancel it after 30 days just because I'm very impatient. So, you know, how much time do you allocate to, to, to give things a shot? So yeah, it's my, it's my rant <laughs> on that. Totally. And now are you got, you guys, um, your business, your talk about ROI and lead gen stuff. Uh, I, I've taken, I'm just testing out what you're kind of, you've put in front of me of, of calling, you know, outbound callers calling towards listings. Sure. Like, and so we, we're just actually in the first stages of that and just wanted a listing today and just that the outbound caller, I, I think it was an ISA who actually said it that was in a database of a canceled listing that was in there, our database for like since 2020. They called yep. us, right? So it was awesome. But, uh, but we're really, and I have a listing I took from an outbound caller calling on an absentee owner, right? So mm. it was that, that sort of thing. Um, and and I and I think ultimately the, the so I'm actually I'm curious are you guys still doing that are you are you guys still calling outbound callers to absentee owners or and or using outbound callers? We have uh, five outbound callers right now. Nowhere near the level of Angel, but we've got a lot of outbound callers. 
making calls, but they're calling a lot of different lead sources, some absentee, some old expired, some past clients, some, um, you know, all different lead sources. Yeah, but cool. uh, we found it to be highly profitable, but like anything else, you know, there's a lot of kinks to work out, right? Yeah. If you got five yeah. agents on your team, there's always going to be a rock star. If you've got five outbound callers, there's always going to be a rock star. If you've got five agents on your team, there's always going to be somebody who's screwing around and, you know, cheating the system and not, you know, doing things that follow up boss correctly and taking notes the right way. And when you have five outbound callers, there's always one who's going to be, you know, kicking, yeah. kicking around. So uh, I think that the biggest hurdle is not just throwing shit at a wall and hoping it sticks. It's throwing it and actually allocating the time to watch it, manage it, tweak yep. things really have somebody in that integrator role full time. That's yeah. been a big challenge for us. Yeah. And the biggest totally. thing I think about John is you're like, if you have your database and you add that you're in polar opposite worlds, right? One, you're going to have like, you know, uh, raving fans and the other one's random people, right? So it's completely different. Um, but you could gauge the level of your loving on them by knowing what your ratio is. So I'm curious, how many people do you have in your database and what's the percentage of conversion from them? That's a number I don't know, um, but I do know how many people I have in my database. I think I have 20,000 people in my database. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think a lot of those, because a lot of those come in, we're doing pay-per-click, right? So we're getting a lot of leads that come in and they're sitting in that database, right? So, um, so yeah. So you might have a slightly different definition of yep. database, which is totally fine. And that's probably a lot similar, you know, similar to ours, right? Yeah. Like we got, I don't even know how many people in if, our database. Yeah, if you're gonna, like, yeah, if it's in the CRM, but like, what about like COI PC? Like the got people it. that you're sending, like that you're loving on? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think probably in, in that we have past clients, I haven't looked, but in, in COI, I'm say maybe 700 to 1,000. I was gonna say, yeah. I was gonna guess. Yeah. I mean, think about it though. You said 90 deals, 75% yeah. is listings. A lot of which you said was database. Ten percent should come from your database. So seventy-two. So add that number. you have seven hundred and twenty people in your database. Yeah, so that, <laughs> we just figured it out for you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you're right on track. Ten percent. So what? What do you guys? What, so I'm curious what you guys because we. I know you're not coaching with Mike Ferry anymore in MFO, right? No. Okay. So uh, and and I'm curious to hear like. Um, how have you changed your my business and mindset since you left there? Um, and I mean, obviously it's, I'm, I'm, we're all grateful for it, I think. And, and that sort of thing. And there's no, I think we're all shared that, but like what, how have you changed your mindset? And also how have you guys, how's and applied that to your business and like, um, yeah. to, and then how have you seen the growth there? I would say, um, the biggest reason I, 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 got out of the MFO coaching program is simply because the coach that I was working with, Steve Powers had left and the coach that I was trying to get in front of, uh, was, was full. So I couldn't get in front of him. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, that was around the same time I met Aaron and the big difference I would say between Aaron and, and the Mike Ferry program. And, and, and I should say this too, is like the MFO, like changed my life. I mean, like I owe everything that I have to the MFO system, right? It, like introductions to people like you, introductions to 90% of the people we've had on the podcast. That's how I met Kiro. Like it got me from 25 deals to 50 deals to 75 deals to 100 deals. Like it, it just 
you know, skyrocketed everything. So everything comes from that. And that whole idea of like you know, having a profitable business and, and, you know, that's prospecting focused. The biggest difference for us now, I think, is I'll speak for both of us, is just that I think what Mike teaches you is that you need to be a highly paid technician. And I remember going on a, uh, I think it was like a guy's weekend or whatever to Miami and a buddy of mine owns another business and the whole weekend he's just hanging out by the pool, like relaxing. And I'm sitting there like 400 phone calls. And he's like, I'm like, dude, what, what, like you own your own business. Like what's going on? Like how, why is this different? And we sort of broke it down and I realized like, I don't own my own business. I'm a highly paid technician that doesn't really do much business when I'm not there. Right. Even if I have a TC and a listing manager and all that stuff and they can handle a lot of the calls, it's not a business. If you're the, the sole marketer, like if I'm the marketing department and there's no deals coming in when I'm not there, then that's not a business. So the light went on and I realized I was just a technician and, and I realized, I think, unfortunately, I, I love Mike to death. He makes a lot of people feel like deals can't come in from other sources that are not you. Like he makes you think that you have to be the rainmaker. And I think that's, you know, uh, wildly inaccurate and, and irrelevant and outdated. And there's plenty of high producing teams out there that have a lot of business coming in with, you know, uh, from other sources. And there doesn't just have to be one rainmaker. So that was the big aha moment. And that, I think that's around the time I started coaching with Aaron and we saw eye to eye on, um, some of the things that were sort of outdated in, in MFO and, um, you know, things like that, that I thought we were missing from our business, whether it be social media or just, just more attention. Right. I mean, I could go on the attention, uh, totally. route conversation, you know, for, for hours, but, um, that was the idea. So to be able to grow and, and I'll say this too, like Mike doesn't preach that idea to everybody because not everybody can run a business. A lot of people just have to be a prospector. But I think the people with the right mentality, the right mindset that surround themselves with the right people like you and, and the other people that are in our masterminds um, can run a profitable business that's not based on you know, them being the rainmaker. So long-winded answer, but I think, uh, I think that's why you and I connect a lot too is because we realize we don't have to be the, the sole producer. Yeah. Which, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree uh, with that. Uh, and yeah, Kiro, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you'd say too. I'd echo the same thing. The only thing I would say is that, you know, the coaching in itself, learning how to be an effective salesperson is one thing. Proximity to the organization itself is something that we'll never get rid of. So the mindset will always stay the same um, no matter what. The only thing is that your circle grows and your proximity to more amazing people. We used to be very uh, gang-like mentality where it's like, you ain't with MFO. Like, who was you? But now it's just like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like if, you, if you're with EXP and you're getting coached by someone we don't even know, but we're curious to know what the hell you're doing. And it's like vice versa with anybody in different, con like different areas in the state. It's just, you know, highly effective people. We want proximity to them and that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I think it's like, for, for me, it's like, I, I, really, I think we, all of us, we, we, we wanna be entrepreneurs. We wanna, we wanna like, I, I love and building something. I love that, I, like I'm realizing like I love to build it um, and, and that we on our, some of our calls too, it's like, it's, it's not easy. It's like, it's not easy to build it. And, and I don't know. Um, yeah. So, so I love, I love the idea of building it. I love the idea of, of building, um, 
you know, building as big as I want or big as I can, or that's the challenge of that. How big can we build it? And then like, and then also what that enables us to do, enables us to like give some, have more time, more leverage, able to help more people, like really impact people's lives. Like, you know, the people that are our agents that work under work for us and teach them that how, how to do it as well. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think, I think it's, it's really cool. It's like if, if we could, and if we could, we, if we can be a real estate owner, real estate business owner, right? Uh, instead of like a renter, but like be like a real estate business owner and like be able to 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 manage that and sit sits on top of that. That'd be that. I mean, that's that'd be yeah. glorious. I would love that. Yeah. I, sorry, you tend to see that there's three kinds of people out there. Like ones that build out of necessity, right? It's so like mother's necessity was no creation. What is the the saying again? Creation is necessity is the mother of creation. So essentially, if you need to grow, like your assistant wanting to be a buyer's agent, it's like came out of necessity. Another one is out of survival, like blockbuster needing to change its route because they're going out of business because of a Netflix adapting for survival. And then you have other people who build because of inspiration. Which one do you fall under out of those three categories? Um, hmm. uh, I think I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, think I probably, I build... I, I think I, I, uh, I, I don't, I think I build, I, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe inspiration, but I think I, I think I probably, this to be honest with you, I probably build because I'm going to chip on my shoulder, right? To improve something to somebody somewhere, somewhere along the line. <laughs> like maybe it goes back to what we originally talked about. But, uh, but that but could I, be out I of think, inspiration. Out of inspiration, yeah. So, but uh, I think it'd be, but I, but, but I, you know, it's cool when you have, when you have kids, right? Because you start thinking about things differently. It's like, you know, and, and my role as like, how's my, what is my role and, and being, being an example to somebody like as a father, like, so like totally, I think that's how it, it's kind of evolving into being an example for, for somebody else. And like, what can, how big can I do, do this and what can I accomplish? And then like, and just like my father or my uncle, we talked about like pave the path for somebody. It's a lot easier if, if, if like, you know, someone's paid the path already it's that, to see that path or, or to, um, for, 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 you know, for somebody to, to take that path. So, so I think it's changing into that. So that's kind of my inspiration now of, of building something for them. Um, and I think that's kind of sparks my idea of like wealth building too. Right. So, um, so anyway, yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's why, how, how about you guys? Definitely inspiration for sure. Um, but I, I, what I'm, what I'm realizing now, and I actually, this is why I called you last night. I was speaking to another agent in our marketplace. I can't say who, um, but what he was talking to me about was just how he gets really excited to like inspire like younger agents. And I, I've realized like after talking with with Aaron about like I think it was at a Freedom Builders event actually of like what like why am I doing this? What is this for? Right? Like we all want to make money, of course, but but why? Like you know what what gets you excited? And and he sort of pulled it out of me. And like my real excitement is is working with some of these younger agents on our team, right? Like we have a buyer's agent on our team who, you know, we'll do 40 transactions this year, which will probably put her at around, I don't know, $230,000, but she's 29 years old. And I've told her flat out, I'm like, I'm not quitting until you get a half a million. And I'm still not quitting and we're gonna get you to a million bucks. And we actually just signed her up for a coaching program today, uh, which will probably get her from 40 deals to 60 deals. So, you know, those are the sort of things that, um, inspire me. And then we have another agent on our team who's, you know, been working really closely with Kiro, 
she's 19 years old. She's a full-time college student. Uh, the first day that she met with us and we told her what the deal was, she was like, all right. She came back, called me the next day, and she's like, hey, I moved all of my college classes to the afternoon because I have to be here in the morning to prospect. And I'm like, so what does prospecting mean? She's like, I don't know, but I'm just going to do what you tell me. <laughs> so she's taken our lead and she's closed seven transactions this year. She's got a few pending, a few pending. She took two listings, listings this week. Yeah. And for so far, which is insane. I'm still not totally sure she has an understanding of what the hell she's doing. Nope. But she came back to us this week and she's like, hey, when are people going to start asking me objections? I'm like, what do you Incredible. mean? She's like, yeah, dude, the two listings she took were at 6% and at a price that she suggested. And lower she, than what she was expecting. The lower than what she was expecting. Because she did so good at the presentation. It was insane. Incredible. So, and I give a lot of credit to Kiro <laughs> for that because he's he's been coaching him up and, and uh, you know, and, and like, I, I forget who it was years ago. I think it was Valerie Caro who said, listen, you know, if, if your prequal is so strong, you're only going on qualified appointments. And really your prequal is your presentation. And when you actually physically go to their house and sit with them at the kitchen table, you're going there to pick up the listing agreement because you've done all of the work, right? As when compared to the, you know, the average agent that's in your neighborhood, you know, the first time they go to the house, it's like, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I'm going to check out, you know, I'm going to go through and, and, and write down some things and I'll get back to you next week with what it's worth. And then, you know, they never actually have a chance to close, yeah. right? We're going there just to close and pick up the agreement. So to get back to your question is that that's what gets me excited is like teaching these younger people um, and Kiro and I don't have it all figured out, but teaching them what we know and and what we're continuing to learn and, you know, being able to inspire people who actually want to do it because everybody says I can't tell you how many times we meet with people that are like, yeah, I want to get my license and I want to make a lot of money and then. We're like, okay, so go get your license and call us when you got it. And we never hear from him again. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's, so, that's so awesome, right? It's like, and I think it's you guys, a testament to you guys, just like kind of clearing the way for them. It's just like, hey, look, it's, it's really actually pretty simple. Just, just go ahead and just go to the listing appointment and, and say this and, and just have them sign this. And this is, I mean, ultimately, this, this, that's all you have to do. Just right. memorize the script. Memorize the script. Oh, and go by ahead. the way, we have a team yeah. of support that is going to close the deal for you by, when you get it signed. So yeah. just go there and bring the pen yeah. and just it. push it. Yeah. I'll and then we're going to teach you how to do everything else. A funny part. Yeah. So one of the appointments two weeks ago, she goes, she presents. She's like, last question. Do you want me to handle the sale for you? The guy's like, yes. And she freezes and looks at me. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> we leave the appointment after they sign. <clears throat> she was like, what? what happened there? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, he said nothing. He just said yes. Like, where was the objection that we role play all the time? I'm like... No, that's like that. That's that's a good outcome. You want that outcome. Second appointment, she's like, no, this is seriously getting boring. Like, no one really cares. They want less she's money. Getting for a little what cocky. The home is worth. Yeah, she was getting very cocky, but she deserves it because. So this she... morning when we were role playing with her, I was <laughs> slamming her. I was like, what did I say to her? Back to back. Uh, I can't remember, but we were hitting her with a lot of objections because, you know, obviously we're making a joke of it, but, but the thing is, you don't get objections if you have a great presentation, yeah. right? Right. And I don't think she understands. She she's in her mind. She's like. She never had a bad presentation, right? So she's going there and, and she's a sponge, right? Like a lot of people, you tell them what to do and you know they remember 30% of it. You tell her what to do, she remembers 120% of it and then she could do it better than you, right? Yep. So, which is scary in itself, but she goes there and she, she presents at such a high level because she could deliver what she learned so quickly. And then she's sort of surprised with the outcome, but the outcome is what it is because she, she's so good at regurgitating it. What's the practice? That's, that's right, right? It's, and it's like, it's just the confidence, right? And then when you're like, you, it's funny, you, you ask that question, like, you know, um, 
so you know, do you want me to help you with the sale? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, and it's all because of, it's just really just cause you just comes across as you know what you're like, you know what you're talking about, right? It is a little bit like fake it till you make it in some regard, right? It's like, you like, you know what you're talking about. So they're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm laughing cause she was like, well, she's like, well, the guy was like, well, why else would you be here? She was like, like, do you want me to handle the sale for you? Like, aside I was like, from what? Isn't like, that why you're here? I'm like, well, a lot of people are like, uh, yeah, I'm, I got four more people after you. Like, so let's make it quick. Yeah. But uh, it's just sort of, sort of funny to see her perspective. And, you know, I never really thought of myself as like somebody who would enjoy like teaching, but like it really is enjoyable. The caveat is when the people appreciate it and when they actually take it in and they actually like invest time into it. Right. Because, you know, we just changed the policy on our team, right? Like we're not training anybody else until they actually have their license. Cause I can't tell you how many times people are like, let me come in for some of the training. Like while I'm in the course, I'm like, no, no, no. Like time is too valuable to spend with somebody. And, uh, if you're not actually licensed yet, so no, it, it it's true. I mean, you could. T- I mean, someone can totally change their whole life. Like you said, this girl was making two hundred fifty thousand, or even like you know, yeah. uh, one hundred and fifty thousand, right? Or whatever it is, right? It's like you could really just change your life, and it's not that difficult, right? It's like you just memorize. Like Aaron would say, it's just like memorize a script. You're a highly paid actor, or whatever. Or highly, you just memorize it, right? Memorize it and go. And people are have so adverse to memorize memorizing the script, but I mean, you could you could really change your, you know, change lives or change your life around just by yeah. just memorizing a, a, like two or three <laughs> scripts. Right? She'll so. probably make $150,000 before she turns 20 years old. Yeah. Right. John was and, yelling at her yesterday. He was like, I'm going to make you a million dollars before you're 21. And she's just like, okay, okay, I yeah. guess, which is, and she'll probably do it. That's I keep joking part. with her. I'm like, Hey, um, you're going to have to start like, you know, buying your parents some stuff because either that or they're going to charge you rent, right? You may need to get a separate bank account and you may need to start paying for your own gas. And, but it's just, I mean, obviously we make a joke of it, but like, that's, what's really cool to me. And that's what gets me excited is, um, being able to teach and, and train these people. So I'm slowly trying to move more in that team leader position, find more people that are willing to invest the time, willing to learn, you know, willing to make sacrifices, right? Like, I mean, this this girl literally is in our office for role play at 7.30 in the morning. She leaves at 12, you know, she's doing admin and stuff. Then she goes to class till sometimes eight or nine o'clock at night, right? And, you know, most people her age are not living that sort of schedule. So yep, she's, she's sacrificing some college parties and all the crazy shit that I probably got involved in. Yeah, but it's gonna pay off for her tenfold. So, yeah. um, I guess where I'm going is like, how do we find more people like that? Not for selfish reasons of like having them on the team and generating income, but it's, it's so that we can all grow together because I'll tell you, she teaches me more than some other people that are, you know, been doing this for years, right? You think that people who've been doing this for years or years longer than us could teach you more, but like sometimes she teaches me even more. Like she'll, she'll just make it even more basic, right? or ask simple questions and you're like, yeah, I don't know why we do it that way. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty inspiring. I don't know if I sound old. No, no, you can see how inspired he is by that, (laughs) by by it, which is, which makes sense. But I I guess what's interesting and I guess the biggest thing is 
when because you you brought it up john a couple times right so you're saying like you get inspired and you want to do something john gets inspired and he wants to do something he just talked about that you know all about building someone up when do you know to put the gas on it when do you know when to pull back on it yeah so so I haven't, i'm trying to figure that out i just gas for me it's just always <laughs> gas right that's our john too and you guys as well so carol you too but I, for me it's like i'm trying to figure that out just gas and that's kind of the reason why um yeah so so um i think you i mean i think if you have like goals and a plan and you're, you have goals you, you should be i mean you should be excited you should be excited to get up and um, I mean, now I have a family, so I'm trying to balance all that. Like that's important, right? And my wife's kind of bringing that up to me all the time. Like, how do you, why do you like just balance this, right? So, and real estate's a difficult, a difficult thing to balance um, sometimes. Um, I think it's like I think you really need to have a schedule. I think it really goes back down to the basics of just having the schedule. And I think, and I actually, and this came up for me today. And it's it's like you know how it's like sometimes like you just like. You, you like realize things again, like you like have a better understanding of like, oh, like something so simple. You're like, oh, got it. Like that's, that's what they meant. Or like, and then again, I probably will have another year down the road. Like, oh my God, that, like, right. That's, I got to actually put like, 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 so I was thinking about this today of like basically planning out my week and my schedule each week. Like, so on Sunday at three o'clock going in there and like putting in like, you know, a time to do social media or time to do you know, do like, I want to have like my, my team come up with reports, like on like an activity report, a financial report, like, and then it, we go through reports and, and, and that sort of thing. And like being, so like all these, like, all these time, as we started having more people that were, that are reporting to us, like, so, so I guess to, to like a roundabout answer to that is like, I think it boils down to like a schedule. And then like, once that's, we can organize our life in a way where it's we're all really scheduled. I mean, really scheduled to like a minute. Um, and then, and then even having someone schedule it for us, like, um, I think that's going to be the key to probably some, you know, level, like, well, some anxiety, right. And some like yeah. turn it on, turn it off situation. Right. Cause now I'm like, this is my scheduled time to have lunch with my wife. And this is scheduled time to have lunch with my, or like have time with my kids. And this is such a time for me to meditate or go to the gym or do whatever that is. Right. So I, yeah, I think that's, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> I think one of the best activities that I've done and I can't say I've totally figured it out, but you just sort of list all the things that you're doing every day and just figure out the ones that you actually enjoy doing and the ones that are the most profitable. And then just try to find people that are within your existing team or maybe you have to hire somebody to take some of those things that you don't like doing every day off of your plate, right? Like I was still doing a lot of like the QuickBooks and the accounting for our team because I'm sick human being who mm -hmm. enjoys like the numbers side of it. I still couldn't really tell you all the ins and outs of a balance sheet and <laughs> P and L, but I finally have a virtual person who, you know, handles all of that for us. Right. Yeah. And then there was other things like, um, like honestly, uh, organizing this podcast, right? Like you got a bunch of emails to make sure you were going to be here on time to make sure you like, you know, knew to wear like a headset and, and like to have a link to join in, like that's Dana from our team, right? So like we took that off my plate because I didn't want to do that, right? So just sort of going through your schedule and figuring out a list of things you do every day that doesn't necessarily have to be you and just scheduling it and pulling it off and figuring out like time blocking for the, the highest and best use of your own time. Yeah. So here's the next question then, like what is the highest and best use of your time right now? 
Like, so for, I think that's where I, I think like, so now what do I like, cause I, but now what do you put your time into that? And like, how do you fill your schedule with the best, the best use of your time? Well, that's a great question. That's where I struggle. So <laughs> this year it, it's been trying to build the team and trying to add team members that will actually bring value, whether that's like administrative support or actual agents. And I've realized that sometimes you can't track your results as closely as you can by saying I took 20 listings in the month of July. I've also realized that being a leader is wildly different characteristics than being a team, uh, a rainmaker or, or a listing agent. And I sort of thought that, oh, it'd be an easy transition and it's been a lot more difficult. So how do I spend my time? It's still between taking some listings, not solely because I think I need the income or I think it's solely based on competitiveness, solely. Totally. No, like yeah. for me, it's, and this is some sort of coming back to us a lot, but it's fine. It's, it's, I think Good, people yeah. find it valuable. Um, I, I, I got to the point where I was like able to take a lot of listings, you know, 15, 20 listings a month is probably like my best month. Right. So to know that you have that skill and then to not use it and transition it to something else is crazy to me, but it's also what I want to do. I mean, I want to build the team, right? So it's just sort of knowing that you can do something and make it very highly uh, profitable, but saying, no, I'm going to do something else, right? Like you're training for the Ironman, right? Totally. Yeah. Right. When are you, when are yeah. you doing it? November 5th. Right. Uh oh. Right. So it's almost like, it's almost as if like you got really good at like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, some other sort of competitive sport, right? Let's just say like rowing or something, right? You got like really good at it. And then all of a sudden you're like, eh, fuck it. I'm going to do a triathlon. And while you're training for the triathlon, you're sort of like, oh shit. If I stuck to rowing, I could have been you know, ranked much higher and you sort of just like keep looking back. So that's my struggle. That's, I think this goes to like, and I'm going to say, we guys are all in the same place. It's just so cool that we're like, to kind of round table this. It's like, it's like, so it's like, so then what is like, and I think this is like, this is the trick, right? This is like, this is like what we don't see. Like, like what's the next thing that we have to do, right? In order to like, to like, have that, like we were talking about that quantum leap. Like, what is that thing? Like, well, we know that we can like quantify like listings, like 20 listings every month, but like, but like, I would think it has to, if you were talking about team building, it, it's, it come boils down to recruiting. Like that and recru creation. Recruiting and, 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 and would you say, well, that's what I was thinking too. We had an amazing call actually earlier today where it was like much needed and timely, um, where the speaker uh, was basically saying that, you know, he spends the majority of his time building out systems and plans and trying to figure out a way to put it into action, finds key people in the organization that will execute on it. Once he builds it, he does a beta test, gets feedback from both, makes adjustments, creates an SLP, and then assigns somebody to manage it and then goes on to create the next thing. That's probably the highest and best use for a CEO or owner of a business to do ever, right? right? Aside from having, because you can hire a recruiter, but you can't innovate, integrate, and then assign someone to manage it at the same time because a recruiter is replaceable, but someone to create something that's irreplaceable. I think it comes down to finding people or being a person who does something that very rare or very little amount of people can do. 
because then that just increases the amount of value. What would you describe as, like, confusion. as the, a true integrator? But then, the, then I always come back with the question of, do I integrate it? Integrate this, this, this lead generation platform and then only have three agents to give those leads to, right? And then I'm like, oh shit, now all these people are slammed or do I have to have the agents and then bring the leads? Because the agents come, agents go where the leads are, right? So I think I'll answer my own question. Say so you really have to have that, that lead platform, create the systems where people get the leads. And of course it's always changing, but you're creating a platform that's going to attract agents by giving them the support and all the things that they can't get or don't have access to in, in other brokerages. And, you know, then give them the training and stuff like Kiro was talking about with some of the younger agents so that they can actually convert those leads. Yeah, so I, th I think it, yeah, it's, it's cool, Kira, because I guess when you said that, I was like, yeah, that's, you're exactly right. That's what I need to do. And then when, and then John said, like, yeah, that's, you're exactly right. That's what we need to do. So it's, but it's, I think it's like a chicken and the egg thing, right? So, and then I was like talking to my, one of my coaches, Jason Samard, his thought, and this is the PPC thing, his thought is like, I want to be, I want to have, I want to be drinking out of a, a fire hydrant. Like I want to, that's like, he's like, that's, I think, and he's a visionary, right? So. He's like, I just want to drink out of a fire. I want to drink out of a fire head and I'll solve all the problems after that. So let's throw $25,000 at lead gen every month and let's figure this out. Let's go. Right. And I think it boils down. It kind Sounds of, like this of, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't try something, you won't know what works and what doesn't. So. Right. Right. So, so I, so I, so, and that takes some risk. Right. And it takes some kind of like what we were talking about earlier, like that, that like just diving into it and just seeing if it works. So how, however, um, you just have an appetite. You have to have kind of an appetite for that risk. Um, but I, I think, um, yeah, it's it, so. it just, I think it's just, and I, I, I talk about this with Aaron Novello all the time. I think I just have to me personally, this has become, this always somehow becomes my like therapy session. session. It just say, <laughs> fuck it, dude. Like I'm not focused on the listings anymore. Right. Like I just want to, to grow the team and, 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 you know, really focus on this integrator role. But for me, what's hard is, is to actually track your progress, right? Like I, the, my biggest fear is taking steps backwards, but, um, I, I feel like I only know how to track steps forwards and, uh, you know, it's tough. It's, totally. Totally. It's almost like, like knowing that you're like this, like becoming like this blackjack, like pro who's got a good winning streak and then mm -hmm. sort of saying like, nah, let's play roulette. Now I'm going to go play roulette. I'm like, but then why do you want to learn, learn, like learn roulette so bad? Like, why don't you just focus on like, but if you think about it, it's always a who game, not a how game, because think of it like this, like Vincent Lombardi was good at doing what when coaching is he, he was coaching. Yeah. Coaching. Right. He was just strictly coaching and he was teaching people how to like beat past their limits and he'd beat the shit out of them. The players used to say, I'm reading his book. So I'm just quoting him. Uh, cool. it's, it's a book called how to be number one. And he goes, he's like, uh, the players used to always say, if Vincent Lombardi said, hey, go to hell, they'd be excited for the trip because he would torture them <laughs> during practice all the time. Um, but that's what he was really good at. But Vincent Lombardi wasn't a scout. He wasn't looking for other players to come on board. He wasn't a recruiter trying to convert, sign contracts or upper management or middle management. He just did one thing really, really well. Yeah. And it's just finding that one thing that you do really, really well and just doing that hyperspeed. And if you're not good at it, find the best person who is because it's a who problem, not a how problem. And then try to get that person to be associated and get proximity to that person. It, yeah. I think it's so simple when they break it down, but it's not easy. And yeah. it's like, yeah, simple, but not easy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, 
What do you, so what do you guys, like what's your one thing that you're good at? I mean, for our, us is always like, hey, for me it's like listing property. Um, uh, for listing property, that's always comes to mind is like listing property. But but I, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty, res- like also like like being resourceful. I think I'm pretty resourceful too. Like, but um, I mean, if you guys had to pick one thing outside of listing property, what are you good at? You should lead with that answer first before we give ours because we need some time uh, to think. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. For me, it's for me. I think it's just building. Like I'm good at like I'm good at like building. I'm good. At, I'm, 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 I'm like I'm good at working. Right. I'm good at like like build. I think I'm, I'm pretty good at building. Um, building what though? Systems, teams, process. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm honestly, I think I really have a good vision for stuff. Like I, I know where I want to go. I, I can see. I can. I do the research on what I want. I can. I can see. Like I. I can see myself. Um, I, can, I. I almost like pick this trend before the trend happens. I can. I see that happen a lot. But um, then, do you take action? And I take action. I take action, but I don't know if. Um, so if it's the. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm, I'm like the, the best at taking the I, I do take action, but I'm not sure if I'm the most effective in the way I take action. Always as somebody, I mean, if I'm just judging myself as somebody might be else. But I do have, I do have a great insight on like, I feel like as like what, what's the next step. And then, and then the processes, I think I'm, we're getting really good at like kind of what Kira was talking about, coming up with the processes. And I'm realizing you know, a lot of times I've done a lot of hiring and firing. I realize a lot of times it's not the people necessarily all the time. It's the process that's messed up. Yeah. And like, and if I can make the process, a lot of times actually with virtual assistants, has allowed, and you guys do the same thing has allowed me to do is come up with a really great process, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Because like, because of, because of language or because of whatever it is, like you have to come up with a really great process. So we've been coming up with some really great processes and like, and that really cool part about it too is that like, like, these fuck ups like like we had a situation um today like so we had we had a situation where we had a an offer that backed out we, we had a i thought we had a backup offer but there was not communication between the listing coordinator and the transaction coordinator of like we never got the backup offer actually signed and we never followed up with it like and then we just showed like a, a hole in the business and then like the question before would be like or like the way that i would handle it before would be like nah you didn't do this right you didn't do this and you didn't do this but now it's like well hold on what happened? What's wrong with the system? Why didn't we communicate there? What what can we like? What kind of checklist could we implement there so that doesn't happen again? That's that's exactly the same thing I was frustrated with about two hours ago. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's uh, you always have to put it back on yourself, right? You know, I'm not upset with the people on our team about a deal that falls apart. I'm upset that we didn't have a system in place to prevent it from falling apart because of the particular situation I'm talking about could have been avoided. And so I, I get more upset about the fact that I'm 15 years in the business and still don't have a process. But I think what we've said a few times now is just we also we all focus so much on getting the next deal. And this is actually what I was talking about with another agent in our market yesterday is he's newer to the business a few years. He's actually still part time and doing a really high level of business. And he's like, dude, I don't even know like if I'm like running comps the right way or like, am I even doing a presentation the right way? And like, where are like my holes? And like, no one teaches you that stuff. You just sort of learn as you go. And, but it's like a lot of like Sundays and nights putting, setting aside time to sort of build the the plane as you're flying it or take a step back from the deals and try to 
plan it all out, but then, you know, your income suffers. So I think we're all saying the same thing here. It's just trying to figure out, you know, what we're most, what we should be focused on. For me, I like the integration side of it. I like like actually implementing the ideas that we think of. I'm slow to implement sometimes because I'm like analyzing the details, but, um, I'm going to answer John's because I also want to be more calculated. Yeah. John's number one big gift is being able to connect people. Um, so it's like you, you're going to hate John if you're not a type A personality. But if you are a type A personality, you're going to want to be around John. Right. So like everybody on our team is uh, I've tried I tried recruiting people, too, but we always let go of them because they were like weird. Um, and maybe we like let, you know, some standard slide or whatever the case it is. But when you look at the people on our team, right, John did a really good job of connecting them in there and they're all type A's. I would say right now they're all type A's, yeah. right? Um, it's like the weak will suffer and die and they'll hate John. <laughs> they'll probably not feel any way towards me, uh, but you have a really good way of weeding them out. Um, I'll say that's probably your strength. The, uh, it, I, so, so how do you, I'm curious about that because I'm a type A personality and, and for, for me a lot of times, and I love it, I, we're just talking about this, like I, I butt heads with those types of people. Like, yeah. because we're like, it's, I'm so competitive, right? Yeah. So, but, but so how, how do you find yourself not butting heads with them? Like if someone's like, well, I want to do like, I guess you could you put, maybe create enough space for them to like, to be a listening agent or to do. It's yeah. different when you're competing with them versus when you're investing in them. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily say type A, but I would say it's a lot of people who want to go the extra mile. Highly effective people. Who, who, who are not afraid of hard work are not afraid of, you know, putting in, you know, 15 hour days, seven days a week. Like, you know, you tell them to do something and, and they don't question every aspect of it and they just do it. Right. And yeah. they just sort of practice blind faith. So um, I think you just, it's the hard part is making sure we're all running in the same direction. But like we were talking to some of other people today and they're like, you know, in my personal opinion, if you're trying to grow to like a 20 agent team, there should always be two or three people that are on their way out the door yeah. and two or three new people that are coming in. Right. It's almost like a, a really good landlord. If he's got a hundred apartments, yeah. he should always have five Turnover. empty, right? Because if he doesn't have five empty, you can't then he's not pushing rents. rents enough. He's not being aggressive enough. He's not having people tell him, no, those rents are too high. Yep. So if you don't always have five agents leaving your team, then you're not pushing those agents hard enough. And they'll, you know, you should always have people that are a yeah. little bit scared. <laughs> but I was saying today, I was like, you know, it's almost like managing a sports team, right? Like. Your role on this team is to do X, Y, and Z. And if you don't do it, we don't have a place for you on the team. Yeah. I'm sorry. The leads are too expensive for us to give them to somebody who's not doing what they're supposed to do. Yep. You don't produce. You don't, you're not on the team. It's that simple. But um, yeah, I think, I think we're all saying the same thing. I think um, it's just now a matter of, of taking action and, and actually implementing it. So I'm, I'm, I'm aware of our time here. I want to make... Um, make the best use of your time, of course, as well. Um, any questions for John in closing? Yes, I'm gonna go to the machine gun round. You ready? Let's do it. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I don't know, that's, that's, that's just so many. Um, I think it's, um, I think discipline makes my goals happen, you know? I think that's, that's good advice. I think it's just staying disciplined and, and it's, you can do whatever you want, discipline and consistency. Discipline and consistency. Okay, good. Now, what would you say was the worst piece of advice you were ever given? <laughs> mm, mm, oh, man. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, 
I try not to remember uh, the worst piece of advice. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you what my worst piece of advice you know was. Yeah. Mine was go to school. <laughs> I didn't do yeah. that. <laughs> Did you do it? No, no, I didn't finish college. No, but that was good. that was a piece of advice that my parents kept pushing on me. So it was, you know, that was yeah. the worst piece of advice. <laughs> good. It's easy. Good. 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 All right. All right awesome, so you man. couldn't answer that, but John's going to paint a scenario for you. What's cool. that? With the kids. Oh, what's, what's, um, if you could only give your children, I know you have two kids. How old are they? Um, Ben is four and a half and Sam is 15 months. Awesome. He asked you this in advance because there might be a risk taking Um, situation. If you could only leave your kids with, with one piece of advice based around money, what would it be? Um, invest in real estate. I like that. Yeah. Last one is if your dad will pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) If your kid's life depended on it and you needed to double your business within 12 months, what actions and steps would you need to take to get there if their life depended on it? Double my business in 12 months. Uh, I would just do what I know how to do, right? I would just work my ass off and and make, get on the phone and set list appointments and just go and just not stop. Like, like a machine. That's, that's, that's what I know how to do. And um, yeah, that's, that's all I would do. And I'd make it happen. I'd, I'd triple it. <laughs> so then the question always is, well, why aren't you doing that now? Yeah. I, and I think it boils. I think right now it's, I think it's for me, it's, it's really stepping back. And, and I think when we started is, is guys, I, I, I think for me, it's like, I'm questioning everything. Like, and I don't know if like, like someone I was on a call the other day and someone was like, um, well, something is like, I forget what the question was, but like, I'm trying to get out of real estate. Yeah. Well, like, I, I, I'm trying to get into real estate. I'm trying to get out of real estate. We always ask people like, what would you do to double your business right now if your back was up against the wall? And they always say, oh, I would do X, Y, and Z. Right. And I'm not saying I have the answer for it. And then we always ask them, well, uh, why are you not doing that now? Right. But I think I would answer the way that you answered it was. You know, I would do what I know that I'm good at. And what I would propose for you is because you're so good at being on the phone and generating appointments is, and it sort of comes back to that, my difference in thinking with the, the MFO mindset is that you can replicate yourself, right? What we do is not, not that special, difficult, yeah. right? I mean, I listened to a call from our ISA today that was not a very good call. And he set me up on an appointment for what could be worth Three million, almost three million dollars in listings, and it, this call needs to be dissected and can. There's always room for improvement. But what I'm saying is, m- the majority of sellers would have hung up on him, and he got the appointment with totally. with a re- very, very, very rough script. So if you can find ways to duplicate and or replicate, I should say yourself, maybe that means one person calling your COI, one person's really trained up on expireds, one person's covering probates, right? And you then can work on other things. That I think would be my feedback for you is, is if you want to get out of it, find a way to duplicate and replicate yourself. Yeah, totally. And that's what we're all trying to do, right? I mean, like, yeah. we're all trying to get into it, but we're all trying to get out of it too, right? Yeah. We're all trying to get freedom. So yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think, I mean, that's like an ethereal answer, but yeah, I, I think that it's just, just do what you know how to do and, and duplicate and, and scale and, and try, try to. And know, te- try teach to- what you know how to do because 
and inspire because I think that's what we're all doing every day. Like, right. You asked if we're still heavily involved in MFO and no, we're not in coaching, but we're still like the things that are coming out of my mouth. Sometimes I'm like, this is all the MFO mindset. So yeah. Awesome. No, that's man. good. Well, listen, if anybody uh, would like to send you a referral, what's the best way for them to reach out or get in touch with you? Uh, yeah. So it's some... admin, admin at the Carol home team. Um, this should be admin, admin at the Carol team.net. Um, Instagram, you can find me on Instagram at John underscore W underscore Carol. Um, and um, yeah, follow us on YouTube too. We have a YouTube channel. We're doing some new, some new cool stuff there as well. So um, yeah, any all the above. Awesome, man. Sweet, man. Well, thank you so much for spending uh, so thank much time you. with us today. We really appreciate it. I think people will certainly find it uh, valuable and, and uh, we'll go from there. Awesome. We're going to do a quick selfie Thanks, before we log off. <laughs>